11, how to strengthen your assurance of your salvation, the first part. Oh, beloved brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ, God elects before the foundation of the world. He calls in time. He then justifies the one who receives what Christ did and preserves every Christian. He sanctifies and preserves every Christian. That golden chain of salvation can never be broken. No one, not even the devil, is strong enough. And he will try, and he will try, and he will never stop trying. But he will never be able to break that chain, that golden chain of your salvation. You also learned, as we were looking at this final section of the canons, is that God uses means to do these things. For instance, God calls the elect through the preaching of the word. And then God sent his son to live and die for his children so he could justify you. So we say he, God justifies you, but God justifies you through his son's work and through the preaching of the gospel. And this final part of this final section, you will see that God uses means also to work out how he preserves his elect children. Our headings are two very simple. How to increase your assurance of your preservation. And then second, how to deal with doubts about the assurance of your preservation. And our goals are that you will make use of the means God has provided to give you assurance so you can confidently go forward in your life and serve your risen Savior. How to increase your assurance of your preservation. We'll read together Article 9 dealing with the assurance of your preservation. Together, concerning this preservation of those chosen to salvation and concerning the perseverance of true believers in faith, Believers themselves can and do become assured in accordance with the measure of their faith. By this faith, they firmly believe that they are and always will remain true and living members of the church and that they have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Article 10, dealing with the ground of this assurance together. Accordingly, this assurance does not derive from some private revelation beyond or outside the word, but from faith in the promises of God, which are very plentifully revealed in the word for our comfort, from the testimony of that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And finally, from a serious and holy pursuit of a clear conscience and of good works. Moreover, if God's chosen ones in this world did not have this well-founded comfort that the victory will be theirs and this reliable guarantee of eternal glory, they would be of all people most miserable. Very strong language. A beautiful text. Now, before we can consider how to increase your assurance of salvation, 
A quick review will consider how Armenians, Roman Catholics, and Reformed Christians view the preservation of the saints. Why will we do this? Because this will make you appreciate more the work of the Lord of preserving you and assuring you of your eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. Our Arminian brothers argue that no one can have or experience assurance of salvation unless that assurance is revealed to them by special revelation. What they mean by special revelation is not the word of God, but by some kind of prophecy, some kind of dream, some kind of sign in the sky. And then they would say, yes, I know I'm saved. Or sometimes they would open the Bible randomly, you know, I want to know where I am. So they'd open the Bible and put their hands there and then read what it says. And you know how silly that is to do. But that's what they often rely on for their assurance. Roman Catholics, on the other hand, they went even further. At the Council of Trent in 1545 and following, the, these Roman Catholics decided that they were going to issue a curse. And this is not some vulgar expression that you can ignore. This was a curse. They were committing you to hell if you say you could be sure you were saved. You see, if you're not sure you were saved, it was very profitable for the Roman Catholics. And they want to make sure you didn't think you were saved, that you were always unsure. That's why you'd have to go every day to the Roman Catholic Mass, and you would have to eat, uh, well, you don't get to drink anything, but at least you get to eat the, the bread from, from the priest. So you have to keep doing this and keep saving yourself every day. What do we believe? We believe that you have to have special revelation to know that you're saved. But the special revelation God has already given to us. The special revelation is the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. God's word is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You'll be complete. What a beautiful picture. The word of God is the source of our assurance. And that Bible says you are saved forever. Most famous verse in all the world is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. How long does eternal life last? Eternally. So you know from the very, the most popular verse in the Bible that you are saved for eternity, because eternity can never end, otherwise it was not eternity in the first place. And that is a comfort that you can have when you know you're God's children. You don't have to go biting your fingernails or pulling the daisies. He loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. You can know with absolute certainty that you belong to Jesus Christ. And why is that important? When you have dark times, when you have to deal with difficulties, broken relationships, deaths, unemployment, struggles with your children, struggle with your own personal sin, uh, you're given that assurance. You are the Lord's and you're his forever. So the Holy Spirit works through God's word to give you that assurance. And God promised it and you received it in his word and it is trustworthy. So you don't have to go for some extra special revelation. You have the word of God. You don't have to go to a fortune teller to ask about your dead relatives if they were saved or if they were not. 
You don't have to wait for a dream. You open your Bible. I mean, you know how unpredictable dreams were. That's why we don't have dreams today. We have the completed Word of God. We look at God's promises. Now, this past week, maybe two weeks ago, I heard a relative say that a relative who died came in a dream to her and told her that he has good on the other side. The only problem is that man died as a non-believer. You see how the devil can trick people? That his life was okay then, so if I live like he did, then my life will be good on the other side. That's the deceitfulness of the devil. You don't know Jesus Christ, you are lost. In fact, the Lord Jesus, again in John 3, says, you you don't know him, you don't trust in him, you're condemned already. What lies? Look at your scriptures now, uh, your sermon notes. John chapter 10, verse 28, together. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Oh, Romans 8, 39, you know that well. Together, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creative thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate you from the love of God? Not even yourself. Imagine that. You know why it had to be that way? Because if you could separate yourself from the love of God, you would. You would. But God stops that. So if you don't feel that assurance of your preservation, and sometimes people feel that way, you feel you're not a Christian, it doesn't mean it is not there. Most of you here would know of R.C. Sproul, and he talked about sometimes when he'd look at himself and say, how could I be saved? Look at what I thought. Look at what I've said. The frustration, even for a good and godly man, is that. So everyone falls into that sometimes. But it doesn't mean the assurance isn't there. It is there. You have to grab hold of it. Look at the Apostle Paul. Now he described of grabbing hold of this with certainty. 2 Timothy 4, 7, and then, 7, 8, and 18. Together. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only but also to all who have loved his appearing. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. You see the confidence? Remember the other passage, I know in whom I believe, we'll sing that. That's confidence. Not in himself. He didn't say, I know who I am, and I'm really great, and I know I'm going to heaven because I'm a good man. That's what most people like to say. That's not what he said. He knows the Lord will deliver him from every evil work and preserve him for his heavenly kingdom. What a wonderful verse. He doesn't have any doubts here, and neither should you. This is the word of God. One more passage. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 16. Together, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it 
until the day of Jesus Christ. So that's we, we, we see the distinction with the way the Arminian looks at uh, his preservation. He says you can't know it unless you have some special sign. The Roman Catholics went further and said you can't even have it. And to say you can have eternal life is terrible. It's anathema. You'll go to hell for saying that. The Reformed faith says, no, the Bible teaches that. You can't do it yourself, but God can do it by his word and his spirit. So how do you receive this assurance of your preservation? This is in earnest now, the lesson for today. First of all, strengthen your faith. You want to have that assurance, you need to strengthen your faith. The stronger your faith is, the stronger will be your assurance. Now, how do you strengthen your faith? Through the word of God. If you aren't regularly in the word of God, your faith will be weak, guaranteed. You will doubt you are preserved. You will be led astray. You will worry. Look at what the Bible tells us about those who are not led by the word from Ephesians chapter 12, uh, 4 verse 12 through 14 together. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry... For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Now remember what this flows from? The Apostle Paul says that you are to now grow. The first part of Ephesians, how you are saved. Now he's telling you how you should walk. And for the walking, he gives pastors and teachers and prophets and all these men with special gifts to equip you. And what's the flip side? If you're not being equipped by these men, you'll be tossed to and fro. You'll be tossed around in the air like a balloon on the beach going everywhere. With no regard. You ever seen those sports stadiums when they have the balloons and they're tossing them up and they go way up and way down and they're all over the place? That's the picture of the one who is not in the word of God. His faith will be weak. So let me tell you how you can get, continue to have more weak faith. If you want your children to live in fear and not have faith, don't build them up in the word. Don't bring them to church regularly. Miss church for any frivolous reason. Your children will be just weak as a result. Don't be sporadic in your own attendance or in your children. You guarantee that they will be weak adults when they grow up. You want another way of making your children weak? Don't have family devotions. Don't read the word of God in the home. Don't pray. Guaranteed to have weak, sickly, spiritual children as they get older. And God will hold you accountable. Remember what he said. You make one of his little ones stumble, it will be better for you if a millstone were tied around your neck and you'd be drowned in the depths of the sea. On the other hand, you want better for your children, don't you? So you put more time in the things that count. You will drop some of the lesser activities in your children's lives so you can focus on those children's souls. Do the same thing for your spouse. It might be sports. It might be some activity. It might even be something that's making you money. 
You need to put that aside for the sake of your family so you can spend time in the Word of God. Remember, even good activities can become bad activities if they rob you of better activities. You get that? I said in Bowmanville this morning, you, you pray when you should be working. Your prayer becomes sinful. God looks at your prayer and says, Yuck, you have work to do and you're praying? And the same thing. Some might be good activities you want your children to do, and we do that in North America. Children included in all kinds of different activities. But you want to guarantee that they're weak when they grow up. Be busy with all kinds of activities and let their soul suffer. But I know you want better. You will take the time. Because that's what's important. That's the first thing. Because that's how the faith will be strengthened. Second, let the Holy Spirit work in you through the Word to strengthen your faith. You see, it's not, this is not some theoretical exercise like you learn a formula and you put it, or you're learning coding and you do what you're supposed to do and it gets done. The Holy Spirit must work through that word that you're teaching your children. That means you must pray that the Holy Spirit will work through that word. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14 uh, through 16 together. As are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. An adopted child might take a little while to get adjusted to the family. But when that child fits in, that child may be a different color, different background, maybe even handicapped. But that child becomes a part of that family in earnest. You know why? He learns that his parents love him. And the parents don't see him as anyone different from their other kids. And that's why your children need to learn about God's love for them. And that's why you need to pray that the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts. And the more they learn about their Father in heaven, the more they learn about Jesus Christ, the more they will trust him. He convinces them that they are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And this is why you must pray for the Holy Spirit to work in you and your children to read the Bible. Or when you listen to sermons. Or when you read good Christian books. You think our children grow up to love the Lord by simply giving them a book? We've had to pray for them. And pray and pray and pray. And never stop praying for them. The third thing you do for your assurance is produce good works. You think, how's that? Well, we have to read the word of God. We have to pray for the Holy Spirit to work through that word. In this way, our faith is strengthened. But we must produce good works. These will help to assure you that you are secured in your salvation. Now think about it. If you have a good fruit tree in your backyard, and one year it bears a thousand apples, and the next year it bears 500, and the next year it bears 100, you think there's something wrong with this apple, isn't it? This apple tree, isn't it? 
You might have to dig around the roots. You might have to fertilize. You might have to spray. You might have to do something so it will produce. And the more you take care of that plant, it will produce more and more, not less and less, not the other way. When the Holy Spirit starts to work in you through that word, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we see this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So if the Spirit is in you, you will bear good fruits. Jesus said also, Matthew twelve thirty-three together, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruits. So, what else can you do then? What kind of good works can you produce? What kind of fruits can you bear? Well, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord in your heart and in your home with the people of God in his home, the church. Encourage those who are struggling in their faith. Visit the sick. Speak for the persecuted. Share the gospel. Pray. Challenge wicked leaders. Defend the weak, the fatherless, the widow. Those are expressions of how you are bearing fruit. You will show you believe by the work that you do. Show me a tree. If it's good, the Lord says, by its fruits. So you learn how to increase your assurance of your salvation. You strengthen your faith, you let the Holy Spirit work in you, and you produce good fruits. How do you deal with doubts about the assurance of your preservation? Article 11, doubts concerning this assurance. Together, meanwhile, Scripture testifies that believers have to contend in this life with various doubts of the flesh, and that under severe temptation... They do not always experience this full assurance of faith and certainty of perseverance. But the source of all comfort will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. And by the Holy Spirit, revives in them the assurance of their perseverance. Now, it is not uncommon to have doubts of your salvation. Even King David struggled with that. We'll sing that Psalm 13. Look at what he said in verse 1. Together. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will you hide your face from me? You think God had ever left David? No. But he felt that way. He was struggling with doubts. Because he had sinned against God. But even though you might have doubts that you are saved, God will not allow you to be destroyed. Oh, the devil will come after you. But he will keep you from falling off the cliff. You will be safe from the cleft of the rock. He stops destruction from overwhelming you. That's why... Satan testified to God and said, I know you are protecting Job. And he was angry about it. Why? Because God had a hedge around him. That hedge that he could not penetrate. What a beautiful picture we have there. 
You know, even when you're overwhelmed, even when you fall into sin and you stray from God for a long time in serious sin, God will still preserve you. He'll provide a way out where you'll hear his word and his Holy Spirit will work through that word and he will bring you back and you will produce fruits again. Look at 1 Corinthians 10 uh, verse 13 together. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. How much God loves us. How can we imagine the depth of God's love, that he will never let you go, no matter how far. There's not a man or woman here who will tolerate betrayal infinitely. The time will come, even with the forgiving heart, that you will say, enough. But look at the love of God. Look at the depth of his love. Now, something we will come at in the next couple of weeks as we conclude this section is what our Armenian friends teach. They argue that doubting your salvation is in fact praiseworthy. Why? They have a really bad reason for doing this. They use this argument to make people fearful. Instead of preaching of the glorious work of Christ for sinners as a true motivation for good works, they want you to do good works from fear. Literally, they say, be afraid that you aren't a Christian. Do good works to fix it. Be afraid. Worry about the fact that you're not a Christian. I grew up this way. This was the most horrible time in my Christian life because I lived in fear. I might have one sin and I'd be left behind. And that's what they literally teach. Now, not all, thankfully, even people who are Armenian reject this. This is standard Armenian beliefs. That you do good works from fear. You have to keep doing things. You have to keep, keep it, it because you desperately need it. But doubting your salvation is sinful. You should never doubt that you are saved. There's no basis for doubt because your salvation doesn't depend upon you, but upon Christ. You have basis for confident approach to God. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Come before the Lord, not in a timid way. Come boldly before the throne of God. Why? Because you have that superior one. The book of Hebrews talks about the superiority of Jesus over all the sacrifice, the prophets, the angels. And he is the basis of your approach. You know you are his and that assurance in your soul makes you bold. Look at Hebrews 10, 19 and 22 together. Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. (coughs) So do not come to God with fear or trepidation or doubts, (coughs) but with confidence and comfort. Your sins are gone and God will never want to, nor indeed will he hold against you any of your sin. Let's conclude. You experience your assurance of salvation 
and your preservation when the Holy Spirit works through the word in your heart. It's true sometimes you might have doubts that you are the Lord's. But God will never allow you to be destroyed. He will always bring you out using his word, maybe through a preacher, or through your own personal study of the word of God, through a podcast, through a book that you may read. And this assurance of your salvation increases your ability to do good works, which further strengthens your confidence that you are the Lord's forever. So, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, having the assurance of your preservation, are you enjoying it? If you're not enjoying your eternal security, what do you need to do? Strengthen your faith. That means going back to God's love letter and asking him for his spirit to work in you. And when that happens, you bear fruits and it starts to grow. You start to produce in abundance. But what happens if you don't have this assurance of preservation even after doing that? You go to the word of God, you're praying and it's not happening. Then you have to ask yourself a very serious question. Do I really know Jesus? Do I really believe in my heart that he died on the cross for my sins? And if that's the question, you need to call out to God and say, draw me to you. I want to become your child. Yeah, maybe I've been fooled by my own tradition. And many people in Canada are fooled by their tradition. They call themselves Christians because their parents were Christians or their grandparents were Christians. That's a question we asked when we met with Josiah. Why are you doing this? Because your parents are Christians? Because your grandparents are Christians? No. Because I believe in Jesus. That's the answer. And maybe that's where you need to go if you still struggle with this. But I also include something to remind you about helping our Armenian friends who don't enjoy the assurance of salvation. It's there. They just don't enjoy it because they don't open up the word. They don't really understand John 3.16, though they quote that more than anything else. Read the gospel of John with them. Read John 6 and John 10. Let them learn of the full assurances so their lives can be filled with joy and assurance, not worry and uncertainty, and sometimes panic. And if you're not a Christian, you too have assurances. Yes, they're bad assurances, but they're assurances. You're assured that you will spend eternity in hell with no hope of redemption. But before you go there, there's an opportunity to to change your destiny. You can change your destiny if you call upon God to make you his child and remove your sins on account of the fact That Jesus died for sinners. And then you can be 100% assured that God will listen to you. And you can be 100% assured that you are God's child. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you for the reminder of how we are able to increase our assurance of that salvation. We confess that there are times we look at ourselves and We think, yuck, how sinful we are, 
How could God have mercy on us? How could he save us? But we go back to your word and we learn of your electing love, your gracious call, your clear justification, your increasing sanctification. And now we wait for that glory. Then we can know that we are yours and we are yours forever. You adopt us as your children in Christ. And may we celebrate that. When we stray, bring us back. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.